The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now I'm joined for our Friday Forum by the leader of the Labour Party, Ivana Batchik, by Sinn Féin TD, Louise O'Reilly, and by Fine Gael TD, Alan Farrell. Good morning and welcome. We thought we might start with that breaking news uh, that uh, government deputies uh, are advised not to use TikTok on official devices. Louise, do you use TikTok? I don't, Pat, I don't, uh, but I am regularly alerted whenever I appear on it by my nieces and nephew, um, who I'm sure I'm mortified actually as it goes, but uh, they do tell me if I happen to be on TikTok, but I don't have the app on my phone. Um, I suppose not for security concerns, although now hearing this, I'm glad that I don't. Um, I don't because I I, I just feel like I I do enough social media and I'm not going to add to it. But um, I think this is is fairly serious. We see from the the statement that the National Cyber Security Centre are issuing guidance now to government departments and state agencies saying that these are not this app is not to be mm. downloaded onto official devices. So I suppose the first question is how many people with official devices have TikTok on their phones given that there has been a lot of chat recently about potential security issues. So I'd like to know how many specifically I suppose government ministers um, and ministers of state actually have this app on their uh, government issued devices. If they don't, happy days. If they do, then All we right. need to know that it's going to be deleted. Alan? Do you have TikTok? We do have TikTok, yes. Um, um, what do you I'm, use it for? It's just for your entertainment while away the hours? <laughs> a, little, a little bit of um, of personal time, yes. Uh, but actually, I probably use it mostly just to kind of gauge what else is going on in the world because uh, Twitter is not, uh, Twitter nor Facebook nor any of the other social media platforms are the central source of information on mm-hmm. how people are feeling and thinking. So therefore, I, I like to, yeah. to branch okay. out. What's your reaction to this instruction then? I, I, I have no difficulty whatever with adhering to security advice that's being provided. However, I would really like to know what concerns the National Security Committee have specifically yeah. to information. Because TikTok announced it, it, uh, that they were going to store European user information in two data centres in Dublin and a third one in Norway and not pass it on to the Communist Party of China. So I, I, I listened very carefully actually to the, the Congressional, the US Congressional Committee hearings. Firstly, it was an eye-opening experience in terms of the absolute ridiculous position that a lot of their congr- congressional members took. But the fundamental questions are still there. Why is there a concern uh, by an, uh, an Irish uh, security uh, uh, mechanism? Mm. Why is there a concern at an EU level in relation to the storage of that data? And those are questions that yeah. are not answered. I mean, and I would very much like you the wonder, Ivana, is it a question that if you have the app on, they see it as some sort of Trojan horse that can get at your official information through some worm hidden in the app? Well, certainly that is the suggestion or it appears that's the underlying implication of this. And I should say, Pat, I don't have it on my phone either. My teenage daughters have banned me from having it on my on my phone. But we do, of course, in the Labour Party post um, messages through TikTok as we do through all social media. So I think we'll all be taking real uh, heed of this new advice, which does sound sensible, particularly as we know the EU institutions, the British and American governments and other governments have already uh, required anyone with official... I I think uh, I go along with Alan. Let's explain exactly what the concern is. Well, I think that's right, Pat. And actually, for some time now, I've been asking the Taoiseach uh, to supply opposition leaders specifically with briefings on security issues. And it's particularly in light of this sort of cyber security threat, not just from China, but also from Russia. And I think we're all very conscious Mm. of reports around Russian cyber...
cyber uh, cyber uh, um, offences and and uh, and China and, and concerns around China as well. These autocratic uh, governments that uh, may well be using social media platforms to uh, undermine democratic processes. We saw it in the US uh, election. We saw it, of course, with the HSE cyber attack. Not that there was any government necessarily involved in that, but certainly we saw the extent to which enormous damage and devastation could be caused through a cyber attack on a state institution like the HSE. I mean, commercial outfits like TikTok are not going to tell you exactly uh, which information they have and uh, uh, what they're doing with it, I suppose. And there may be no way of ever checking. Where does the pipeline lead? But I I think Alan makes a good point. You know, the National Cyber Security Centre have issued guidance. So they obviously have a reason. Mm. I think if we can know the reason, that's going to go some way towards Mm. understanding what the potential pitfalls and dangers might be. Mm. But I think it's not enough to just issue the advice. Now, I do think the advice should be heeded, um, you know, but I also think there is a case to be made for publishing the rationale for that device as well. Perhaps we'll get more details, yeah. Actually, as a member of the Justice Committee, um, I'm I'm pretty sure that the National Cyber Security Centre falls under uh, our remit of the Department of Justice. So it would be something I will ask the Minister whether it's possible for us to get information. I can't tell you if I told you I'd have to kill you. You know, maybe that's it. You well, know. not necessarily to have national them in, security. Not necessary to have them in, but to see whether there is a ra- further rationality. Well, okay, because yeah. it is. We are hearing more everybody. and more. About okay, that. now we, we move on uh, to another topic. What of what, uh, Ivana? Well, uh, the, can I say first of all that Maura Quinn's report lays very clearly, lay, outlines very clearly serious shortcomings, serious, serious failures in governance and uh, and it's welcome to hear that government have accepted the findings and recommendations of that report but it does outline also a real failure uh, within, gover- within government at central government levels. First of all, the fact that the Minister for Health apparently was unaware until extremely late in the day of what was going on. Oh, but his and laptop then, was hacked. And well, Mm. I mean, that simply didn't ring, didn't sound like a, a valid enough reason to keep him out of the loop. And he was kept out of the loop. And it's dog, and it's now dominating any appearance he makes. Yesterday, we saw an appearance by Minister Donnelly at a, an opening of a wing in the Matter Hospital where he was questioned again about this. And he said, there was no question, but I should have been informed sooner. The fact that he wasn't is very serious. And thirdly, Pat, may I say, very serious uh, concerns about the lack of trust that the report discloses between senior people at the heart of government. Secretary General of the Department of Health contradicting what was said apparently uh, by the Secretary to the Government and indeed by the, 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 the former Secretary of the Government and indeed by the Chief of Staff, the mm. Taoiseach. And may I say that the testimony then by the Secretary General before the Finance Committee on Wednesday was extraordinary and bizarre and I think the Chair quite rightly described it as bizarre. It certainly throws up many more questions. Why does a Secretary General, for example, how can he take it on himself to say he does not accept mm. findings of a report that the government are accepting, that the government have assured. Maybe you should take a leaf out of uh, out of Dominic Rabb's well, book look, Pat, and may, may accept s- the findings of the report. Well, may I say even this? though he disagrees with. May me. I say this? Well, it's 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 Byzantine, really. But may I say this? I raised this on Tuesday with the Taoiseach, and the Taoiseach said to me that they are ex- that the government are accepting the recommendations of the report, and you know they are presumably now going to implement those important recommendations around ensuring better processes, more formal processes, mm-hmm. none of this sort of casual arrangement that appears to be made concerning large expenditure of public funds. But if the Taoiseach and government are accepting the recommendations, 
then, you know, where does that leave the Secretary General? And I do think the Finance Committee are rightly now looking at where they will go next. I hope we will see uh, a little more uh, uh, clarity, perhaps from bringing Maura Quinn in as the author of the report, or indeed Minister yeah, but, Donnelly. Uh, I mean, serious hang on a second. When you are overspending on the Children's Hospital to the tune of half a billion, sure, what's 20 million here or there to pay for Tony Holan's sinecure? But this was an open-ended secondment to yeah, a university. No, I'm just saying the attitude. This is only a small oh, change. No, um, no, I, mean? the, I think the attitude displayed yesterday was appalling. And let's not forget that the Secretary-General wouldn't, in fact, have even been at the Finance Committee. He declined to appear, were it not for my, the intervention of my colleague, Mairead Farrell, who insisted that the committee use their powers of compelability. I find it a little bit, um, I'm going to say outrageous, actually, that somebody at that senior rank within the civil service has to be compelled to attend mm. and Oroctus mm. Committee. It is not usual ordinarily. Now, he did show up, but be... he didn't furnish an opening statement in advance, mm-hmm. which is the normal well, form not... in these regards. Yeah. But I mean, it, 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 in the interests of, of uh, transparency and openness, I would say that the, the Secretaries General, as, as a general rule, do make themselves available and are very forthcoming um, to use the, the powers of compelability. But let's not forget, I mean, it might be, you know, to, to Mr. Watt and to others, maybe they think it's a trifling amount. I don't. 20 million euros, uh, you know, an open-ended secondment to a university from which the Minister for Health was kept, it would seem, in the dark. So you have to ask uh, Minister Donnelly, either he wasn't looking for this information or the information was being kept from him. Neither is it. Neither is yeah. good. And maybe they couldn't maybe send an Robert email. Robert Watt is a digital use... native and doesn't use the telephone well, for, they, for, they, for they, normal they, conversational they purposes. They could still yeah. have used the telephone oh, if the I, yeah, email they, wasn't look, working. The, 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 first and foremost, it's very important to state that, you know, in response to Ivana, this is not a government failing. Um, and I don't recognise it as a government failing. I recognise that you said at the start it was a government failing. I'm just going back to that. Is it a failing? I don't agree that the actions of Mr. Watt uh, in in regards to what was done in the Department of Health without informing the Minister is a a failure of government. Certainly a failure of communication. Except that. Well, it's more than a failing on his part. I mean, did he make a mistake? Do I think Mr. Watt made a mistake? Absolutely, I do. And I completely agree with the findings of the report. I thought yesterday's yesterday's appearance before the Finance Committee, to which he is not responsible, to go back to the point that Louise made, you can't compel the head of the Department of Health to attend before the uh, the uh, Finance Committee. You can compel him to attend the Health Committee. And this is the point that he and others have made many, many times. It seems to be lost in the political debate about this. The honest truth of it is, is that his behaviour yesterday, in my personal opinion, or the day before yesterday, was appalling. I was taken aback at the level of arrogance that he displayed. Um, at failing to answer a question and even the manner in which he responded to the tone of the questions was a was But appalling. the Minister for Health says we and don't sanction defend, tone. I do not defend. That's, no, no, I mean, that's fine and the Minister We don't sanction tone. To, and I'm entitled to my opinion as the chair of the committee yesterday was entitled to his to say that I, I think I can't remember the exact term that he used. You but said I arrogantly dismissive arrogantly was the language he used and a bizarre I agree exchange. with Deputy McGuinness. I think it was absolutely correct and I thought there were many, many ways in which Mr. Watt could have handled his appearance at the okay, No, he's not here to defend himself. So let me offer a defence. I need to say he came to the committee voluntarily, but it was only after he initially okay. refused, yeah, and but you it was only point. after the but compelling was mentioned that he appeared. In his defence, given to that, committee that he is not here, he was brought in because the HFC is pretty dysfunctional, the Department of Health pretty dysfunctional, therefore we need a guy to come in and crack a few eggs here while trying so to make a palatable omelette. 
This was a Department of Health issue, an internal issue caused by a decision being made to forego process, which is clearly being highlighted in the report, which is clearly being uh, put out into the public domain in terms of what should have happened and what, and what did happen. But and he's not accepting the findings, but, Alan. But that's, that's the but problem. But I can't speak on behalf of Mr. Watt because if it was Stephen Donnelly, if it was Stephen Donnelly, Louise, if it was Stephen Donnelly, I'm not wagging my finger at you. If it was Stephen Donnelly in a position to answer the questions that were put to him yesterday, we would have had a very different... Well, I thought Stephen Donnelly Let's hear from Minister Donnelly because I think there is no doubt, and I think Alan has well, confirmed he's spoken this. No, no, there is no doubt. Alan, no, there is no doubt. Has. Now, I think there is no doubt that Robert Watt's testimony has undermined Minister Donnelly, and indeed Absolutely. that the findings of Maura Quinn. I think, I think, and I think that exposes a failing within the heart of government. And I will repeat no, that again. No, 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 no. Taking, this is a taking failure of a, a forensic no. look at, at the history of Mr. Watt. I mean, he got this massive hike in salary. Mm-hmm. The government collectively nailed its colours to the Watt mast in terms of his excellence. And maybe they find it very hard to retreat from that position. Well, look, I think what we need to hear from now is from Minister Donnelly as to why he wasn't informed. How could this decision to spend so much money in an open-ended fashion be made without the Minister for Health signing Ivana, off? Respectfully, and I think that's, that's, that's been a very raised serious. Both in the door, no, no, I think it's been answered by both Tishik. Well, I've, I raised it. Over at, I raised it has it been addressed by Stephen Donnelly. I raised it Donnelly. with the Tishik on Tuesday, but I, I think I, it came I, up yesterday at a question and that I he was know, asked at a function know, that you referenced. And I know again that. So how many times does he need to come out and say? that he wasn't informed. Let's put it this way. I think quite a number of the members of the Finance Committee are now looking to hear more on this. And I think the questioning on Wednesday has certainly raised more more issues. And I think, as as the chair himself said, a bizarre exchange that requires more And and it is a matter, just to close out on this, it is a matter for Stephen Donnelly now to address this. I think he has been undermined. I think that was very evident to everyone. um, A brief brief few minutes on the prospect of a rural party. And are you quaking in your boots that uh, you or, uh, relevant parties well, will lose so seats uh, to Matty McGrath well, and his cohorts. Uh, Dublin Fingal, uh, as Louise and I would know well, uh, has a very large contingent of, of rural community outside of what people might consider suburbia. Uh, but are we adequately represented in Fingal? I think we are. I think we have a great representational spread. All five uh, political parties are represented. We work well with all of them, all of you. Um, and I think in but fairness, is there a point to, to, to what both Michael Fitzmaurice was saying and others who might be forming a new party or some sort of a loose we don't have a very good track record, need though, do a we? voice for rural affairs. But we don't Claire have Coran a very good track is, record, though. Can like, I just say, Claire yeah. Coran is uh, Claire Coran's a farmer. She's our new uh, spokesperson on agriculture. She is very passionate uh, about rural Ireland and about uh, rural affairs, and also about the future of the the family farm um, within this state, and ensuring that you know that we can have that kind of food security that we need, but also that farmers can thrive and farm families can live uh, decent lives. So. I mean, I'm really excited to see uh, Claire Bilden on okay, the, the work your done by, for your Matt, party and that's by Matt Carthage. The, no, but the, the question that you ask is, do we need a new one? What I'm saying is farmers have a fantastic representative in Claire Coran already. I don't see really what this new proposal will add because, let's put it this way, there are many constituencies around the country, indeed like Dublin Fingal, where my colleague uh, Deputy Duncan Smith represents Labour, which are which have both urban and rural areas within them. And I would also say this, Pat, that wherever I go around, around the country meeting our local Labour teams, I'm hearing the same concerns, whether it's in urban areas or rural areas, concerns around the cost of living, around lack of housing supply and indeed around climate. And I think we're all 
all conscious of the need to address climate in whether we're in an urban constituency like my own here in yeah, Dublin but the, 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 This gathering seems rural. to be saying, so, look, the green agenda has gone a bit too far in terms of penalising one particular type of community, I mean, that's what, rural farmers. That's what's being proposed by the, those who are looking for a farmer's party. As I say, I think that the urban and rural divide is, is too too much highlighted by uh, by those who are, who are arguing for a new party. I don't see the need for it. I don't see what they'll add to it. There are plenty of deputies in the Dáil who are, and indeed local representatives around the country who are representing people on the basis of the concerns they have okay. around housing, L- L- around cost a of living. question and that which might impact on all of this. Uh, Mark McSharry, we had him on earlier this morning saying county boundaries should be respected in the redrawing of the constituencies. So, um, mm. you know. Well, I, I think we're all waiting now with bated breath to we see are. the report. Um, I think insofar as is possible, we need to maximise the representation that people have. Respecting county boundaries, to me, makes sense because if you feel a little bit disenfranchised, I think, if sure. you're a small county, Alan, put in with a big one. No, you know? I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, there's there's been uh, changes in my own constituency over many years, going back to 2011, for instance, when Parish of Swords was in West, Dublin West, Mulhuddert um, and Blanchardstown, and you're supposed to, you know, people in Swords are supposed to represent. And if people don't feel know, they belong. That yeah. there is an issue. And difficulty, uh, it, of course, for communities, uh, particularly in a in a place like Fingal, which has really only existed since uh, 1994, uh, in the sense and, of and a it's local a fiction, really, it? it's, a, well, it's, it's a local authority actually, area. It's a local authority area within Dublin. It's actually 11 years old. Well, look, I think it's sensible that the electoral it is sensible indeed that the boundary commission will be. And I understand they that that is their criteria that they are going to be looking at respecting existing county boundaries. There's been a lot of name changes. Constituencies over the years. Mm. Um, I'm, my own constitu- constituency was Dublin South East, has now so become Dublin Bay South. So, you know, as far as possible, I think, you know, it'd be nice if we saw names retained. But county uh, but, boundaries, but though, county I mean, boundaries should also be respected. It's different, it's be different Dublin, in, in the urban yeah. areas where. It is. In the, in, it's I think because like, there's a town. number of constituencies where there are yeah. small little bits of other counties yeah. that are added yeah. in. Yeah. And I think the people in those small bits, they, they do feel a little bit disenfranchised. Yeah. I know, I want to move on. We're going to. Pay for Jonathan Dowdle's accommodation, it seems, for the rest of his natural life. Meantime, Jerry Hutch is heading off uh, to God knows where. One report says he's taking a grand tour through Eastern Europe before finally settling in some sunny clime. Um, we go to you, Louise, first of all. Uh, has this whole thing been bruising for your party because of the association with Jonathan Dowdle? No, I don't believe so. Um, I don't think it's it's good. I mean, Mary Lou MacDonald was very clear this man should not have been a member of Sinn Féin. He shouldn't be anywhere near our party. Um, and I think, you know, the the fact that the, the trial has now concluded, I don't have any information about what happens with the Witness Protection Programme, nor should I. Um, but my understanding is... But that we that's, pay for it. Oh, well, my understanding is that, that that's a process that's uh, like, yeah, of course it has to be funded, but that is a process that will be done between the, the, the Gardaí and other agencies. So that's, I mean, what will happen will not be known to us and shouldn't be known mm. to Alan? us. I think it's very disappointing that the, 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 we start this discussion with the, your question is, is, was this bruising on Sinn Féin? And, and, and Louise answered no, uh, which I think is fanciful at best. Um, I think yesterday uh, Mary Lou MacDonald had an opportunity to answer uh, several questions that were put to her and she failed to do so. Um, She failed to answer my colleague uh, Colin Brophy's questions. She didn't answer my own. She didn't answer Fergus O'Dowd's questions in relation to when uh, certain information was known. It's already been in the papers, Pat, uh, that um, uh, there was uh, remarks made by Ona Bryn, the housing spokesperson, on Monday, I think it was, on a different radio station, to the effect that the Director of Elections spoke with Mr Dowdall before, before the 
the local elections in relation to a shooting that happened outside his uncle's house. So th- it, for Mary Lou Macdonald and for members of Sinn Féin to then for, therefore come back and say we didn't know the calibre of the man is nonsense. Mary Lou has answered questions in the media. She was the first out actually uh, on Monday. She's been she's done a huge round of media in the last while because of being up in, in the north for the Good Friday Agreement. So she has made herself more than available. The Count Corla was very clear yesterday. It was not a questions and answer session. It was an opportunity for us to make statements in relation to organised crime. But I will say this, the uh, Fine Gael and the other government members wanted to have uh, a debate uh, and a discussion in relation to gangland criminality. Now, what I'm we saying is we don't want to use uh, and people who live in working class communities who have had their areas classified as gangland, they do not like that label. They don't deserve okay. that label. They're decent, Eva? ordinary people. Well, first of all, the debate yesterday was on organised crime and that is a huge concern for communities across the country. And I think we do all have to commend the work of the Gardaí in ensuring that for the, over four years now, there's been no further murders in that hideous feud, the Hutchkinahan mm. feud. And also to note that there were two convictions secured in the Special Criminal Court. I do think the acquittal of Jerry Hutch on the murder charge does raise questions around uh, around how and why uh, particular charges were laid and so forth. I should say, Pat, I practised in the Special Criminal Court for some years, so I know the procedures there. And we in Labour very much welcomed the review of the court and the offences against the state legislation. We understand that's to be published shortly. I asked about this earlier this week. The expert group was chaired by Mr Justice Michael Pearce, and I think we're all looking forward to his, his okay, report. But, 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 Could but I say bottom line, you mentioned the charges. There was one charge which uh, was going to depend on Jonathan Dowdle's testimony. And when we all heard the tapes and all the rest of it or reports of the tapes you know where's the money you kept on saying where's the money that actually links this guy Jerry Hutch to being one of the people who was masked and carrying an AK-47 and it depended on Jonathan Dowdle mm. in some way yeah. who was utterly unreliable what the case mm. does expose I think is is the difficulty with convicting on uncorroborated evidence of an accomplice and that that is the so why did issue. you get that but, far well that that's precisely the question that I think is, is raised by the outcome but could I say this I do think in respect of Dowdle that there are still serious questions for Sinn Féin to answer. I think any of us who looked at those photos of Mary Lou Macdonald with Jonathan Dowdle when he was a Sinn Féin councillor, a man who, let's not forget, has been convicted of a very, very serious torture offence mm-hmm. uh, some years ago. You know, I think that does raise questions. I heard the Owen O'Brien interview and I do think, again, it raised certain issues that hadn't perhaps previously been the public domain about ex- about mm-hmm. the extent to which there may have been knowledge within the party. And I so think there that's wasn't. Serious and, I can, and I can absolutely say that categorically our Director of Elections met with the candidates as he meets with the candidates all of the time. The issue was raised by Dowdall, a man, by the way, whose credibility has been absolutely torn to shreds. So I would not rely in any way, shape or form but on anything that he had said. credibility. I so was questioning what I'm, what I'm saying to you is, meetings that the question is, the was your of Director of Elections utterly gullible then? Given what we now know about him, was he caught it up to the eyeballs? Oh, he, was he guilty of not being psychic? Possibly. Uh, was he guilty of not I having a time machine? Oh, no, that's Possibly. a bit. That's a, <laughs> no, well, he, he couldn't have. Was known. he not thorough the first, enough? The first that we knew, the first that we knew, was when the Gardaí raided Jonathan Dowdall's home. That was the first that we, we became aware. And by that stage, that, he I'm hadn't sorry, been a member of the party not for according, over Not a according year. to Owen O'Brien on Monday's no, radio interview where he said, said that the Director of Elections okay, met an with issue was Jonathan raised. Okay. and Jonathan we are, I am being told to draw this to a close because I've run out of time. My thanks to Ivana Bacic, the leader of the Labour Party, and Louise O'Reilly and Alan Farrell of Sinn Féin and Fine Gael, respectively. That's all we have time for. A reminder that our items from today are uploaded as podcasts, which you can listen to on the Newstalk app, powered by Golad. Just search for The Pat Kenny Show. The Pat Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m.
on News Talk.